Have you checked out the new Brian Nichols Show collection over at Proud Libertarian? Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash shop and you can grab some amazing Liberty swag that will definitely help pique some interest from our good ideas don't require force snapbacks, Alexa overthrow the government t-shirts, question everything mugs, and of course our ever popular don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff bumper sticker. The Brian Nichols Show shop over at Proud Libertarian has all the Liberty swag you need. And hey, if you're looking for more awesome Liberty apparel check out the rest of the amazing proud libertarian store while you're over there and be sure to use code tbns at checkout to get 10% off your entire order that's right 10% off your entire order from proud libertarian including everything over at the brian nichols show shop and all you have to use is code tbns at checkout one more time head to brian forward slash shop and check out the brand new brian nichols show store over at proud libertarian and use code tbns at checkout for 10% off your entire entire order. Victor Antonio, welcome to the program. Selling is all about, really, it's, we're not selling a product, you're not selling a service, you're not selling value, you're not selling whatever you think you're selling, a solution. You're selling change. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. And this is why we talk about being the trusted advisor. You should be able to help use that expert guidance and all the opinions that I'm sure that you have and help lead them towards not just a decision, but the right decision. Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. Well, hey there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. And thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host. And today, we got a, a great guest. I've been looking so forward to this. John Miltimore from Fee, thank you for joining us on today's episode. How are you? Doing great. Hey, it's, it's nice to finally meet you, Brian. And uh, thanks for inviting me on. Absolutely, John. Well, you are, are one of the uh, the good guys. You're out there fighting the good fight right now. And we so badly need people to uh, fight the misinformation when it's being labeled misinformation. And you've been doing that over at Fee. And, and I cannot thank you and the amazing team over there enough. So let's start things off. Uh, the Brian Nichols Show audience, they're familiar with a lot of the voices we've had here from Fee, including the one and only Brad Palumbo. But John, we want to get to know you a little bit more. So let's introduce yourself to the Brian Nichols Show audience. And what's your role over at Fee? I'm the managing editor. Um, you know, a lot of the content you read was, you know, stuff that, uh, you know, I, I either wrote or edited or, you know, we uh, all the stuff that goes up there, you know, we have a small team that kind of reviews it. And um, I kind of I work with a lot of talented people that you're, your, you know, listeners probably know, like, you know, Brad Plumbo and Hannah Cox. And, um, you know, we we it's been a busy couple of years. I'll say that, you know, our mission is to educate people about, uh, you know, not just economics, but economic freedom in in the the virtues of that and uh we've had a lot to write about the last couple of years with this <laughs> pandemic no kidding you had you had quite a bit to write about there john to say the least um and, and let's kind of dig into that because that's where i wanted to bring you on the show today was to talk about wow the 180 we're seeing right now from a lot of our democratic politicians out there and it seems to be that they may have gotten some internal polling doesn't look too good as they're looking towards November, which, believe it or not, folks, is a short nine months or so away. Hard to imagine, I know. But, uh, John, let's kind of start off here 
addressing these uh, these more Democrat-leaning politicians. I'm seeing folks like Kathy Hochul and Phil Murphy, all who were some of the most staunch lockdown governors across the nation. Now, granted, Kathy Hochul kind of took in a little bit afterwards with uh, Andrew Cuomo that she took over there in New York, but hey, she at least carried his mantle forward as one of the strictest lockdown governors in the country. And all of a sudden, John, all of a sudden, they all do a 180. Let's dig into that. What are your thoughts in terms of this sudden abrupt change from the the Democratic narrative in terms of the lockdowns, mandates, and COVID-19 policies? Yeah, I I mean, when you look, it's it's hard to not reach the conclusion that a lot of this is being driven by politics. Um, you know, we, we've for about nearly two years now, um, a lot of the things that we've been writing about and saying, like you can't stop a respiratory virus, you know, by locking down people, by by telling them they can't leave their homes, by, you know, shutting down businesses. There was, you know, a lot of people at the beginning that said that those things weren't gonna work, that those policies weren't gonna work. And we we see now we, that that they didn't work. You know, we have more and more evidence. You know, I think the the Johns Hopkins study that came out recently um, that showed that you know lockdowns saved you know perhaps 0.2 percent of lives. Um, but, you know, basically they, they they did nothing to to lower mortality. Uh, that study concluded. And um, if you look at the cost of lockdowns, like I think a lot of people are now suddenly realizing they were a mistake. Um, in, in all these restrictions that for the last couple of years, I, I think there was a lot of skepticism early on. Um, like, you know, I think a lot of people knew going into the pandemic, you know, masks were not looked at as something that could help you, you know, when you have a respiratory virus that that changed very suddenly. Um, and now we're kind of seeing it change back. And um, the science of masks has not changed. It didn't change in, in April of 2020 and it's not changing now. Um, I think what you're seeing is politicians reacting. There's a lot of dissatisfaction with the way this pandemic has been handled. And we're, we're finally seeing the politicians start to, to pivot away from some of these policies, which were, you know, you know, at various, let's be honest, they're mostly theater. They were giving people the illusion of safety. Yeah, well, and we saw this clamor from your average person. No, no, you know, I'm not even going to say your average person because I don't think your average person was so much as your your average elitist person was saying, well, government, you need to do something, anything, please. And I think your average person was kind of like, listen, I I can make a decision for myself. I, I don't need the government to tell me to stay home. I can take risk assessments on my own. I can look and see, like, am I a higher risk individual. And if so, like use your brain, don't go out and, and put yourself unknowingly or knowingly at risk. And, and I think right there, we saw there was this, this strong split right back in, in March, April of 2020. And there's a lot of folks out there, yours uh, truly included, who we, we took a lot of slings and arrows, John. Um, you know, you want grandma to die. You just want to go get a haircut. Do it, you know, do it for, it's, if it saves one life, right? Come on, what are we doing here? And you were shamed, you were guilted to towing this line. And we saw even in the the, the health, uh, you know, I'd say the professional health world, you have doctors and, and physicians who had their careers just tossed to the side because they did not go exactly in line with the, in, not only the accepted narrative, but it seems to be the top-down narrative. And, and I think right there is where, now that we're two years past where we started, 
and all the the data is out, all the anecdotal experiences are now out there. I mean, goodness, go ask your average person. Did you did you or someone you know experience Omicron? I can think almost everybody's going to say yes in some regards. So pretty much we're we're all good. Like we've all experienced it, and now this. The scary fear-mongering, I call it the, the fear porn we saw over on these, these different news organizations, it's not working, and they don't know what to do, and I guess right there, John, it is, we talked about this with uh, with Jeremy Todd in, the, in the, the past, is the idea of empathy, right? It is do we give people the opportunity to say they were wrong, or do we need to make sure we continue to hold their feet to the fire? And at least get them to acknowledge why maybe they made this change of, of heart. Is it actually because they followed the science or is it because they started following poll numbers instead? Yeah, I, I think you have to do both, right? Um, I think, you know, people need to be held accountable, you know, over the last couple of years when they were promoting these policies that were incredibly destructive. You know, you're right. When you look back at like, you know, April 2020, you know, March 2020, um, I, I, you, you, like me, probably remember it was a lonely place. You know, you we were pushing back on a narrative where um, you could get you could get censored. Um, you could just get piled on by people, like all these things. And even in among the libertarians, we, we you know, like there were some organizations and some individuals that were, you know, kind of said, no, we, we kind of just got to go along with this. Um, and I like where we are today, where we're, we're not lonely anymore. Everyone is starting to agree like, OK, lockdowns were a disaster. The, the this all this mask guidance you know like the cdc hasn't changed its mask guidance yet but i think a lot of people realize they don't know how they don't know like they, they have to say okay we're changing this for a reason but but what what's the reason we can give um i do predict the cdc is going to you know uh, rescind its its mask guidance by the end of the month that's my prediction um we'll see what kind of justification they have for that if it's just lower cases lower hospitalization lower death you know mortality um is that really a great justification because as you pointed out for forever now we've been heard of it saves just one life but the truth is and we know this there's a cost to everything we do lockdowns came with significant costs masks come with costs too like we don't want to you know you, you've heard very little discussion about it but you know if you look you know children there's learning development issues that we're seeing go through the roof there's speech impediments, there's delayed speech, there's all these things. And it turns out like if you force people to walk around in masks all day, yeah, there, there's a cost to that. Otherwise we do it all the time. Um, but you know, to your point, I think you know we, we can be gracious as well. We want people to acknowledge the mistakes we made. Um, I think the biggest thing I think we learned throughout this pandemic, there was a lot of things, but our faith in government is very misplaced. Like I, I think reflexively people were scared and they said, well, I don't know what to do like they they must know what to do and and that is is very foolish because i i think a lot of people think that government and, and public officials and bureaucrats are wise and all-knowing and we've seen they are not and they made decisions throughout this pandemic that put people's lives in danger um in various all kinds of different ways like it, andrew cuomo is over in new york was the you know one example like and probably the worst example where we're just going to tell nursing homes yeah they have covid we're going to you still have to take them you know regardless and we're, we're gonna we're gonna make nursing homes take in people that are still COVID environment like this it's it's um it was it was foolish and, and that's just one example yeah well and and i think john one of the the things your average person is starting to realize and you just you brought it up there is that yeah the government doesn't have all the answers and how how exciting is it 
and this is coming from a sales guy too, to have a, a brand new market of people who are now open to a different way of doing things. Because traditionally, and I saw this, I think it was the John Mulaney skit back uh, a few years ago. It, it was when Trump was in the White House. You know what it was? It was his horse in the hospital skit. And then right before that, he's like, you know, back when I was thinking about the last guy, I wasn't too worried because I thought he was doing an okay job because he was a competent person. And when you think about it like that, I think that's how your average person also approaches politics. They see the the persona and they assume competency, but they, they assume the competency more so because of the persona. And then also they'll put in the fancy letters behind their name to make it look like they are the quote unquote experts and they defer to the, the, the letters behind the name. And then you look at the diplomas they have and where they went to college and all of a sudden you realize that a lot of the expertise that we're, we're looking and giving to these individuals in this case, in the political, the political environment, a lot of it is, is based on the, the presumption that those institutions that were giving these large, you know, large titles and degrees actually mean something. Now, I'm not saying that your average person going out and getting a, a you know, a doctor or whatnot is not learning or, or bringing value, but rather that isn't enough. We're seeing that right now with Dr. Fauci. He hasn't practiced medicine in 40 years. And that's a real thing. Like, that's a real consequence in terms of his ability to, to effectively disseminate policy from a theoretical standpoint versus, like, actually going out and implementing said policy. And we see this. I, I didn't think it was a real thing until I actually got more involved in the business world. But there is a vast disconnect between the ivory tower of academia and the real life implications of those policies as it pertains to just the way companies, the way people actually do business, do exchanges with one another, interactions with one another. It's completely organic. And I think this is the thing that your average person also is realizing. And it's completely unpredictable. You cannot put forth just universal one size fits all solutions for an incredibly, not just diverse country of 300 plus million people, but try to do that for an entire planet doesn't work that way. And we saw that firsthand. And it goes back to uh, one of my guests I had in the show, John, Dr. Adrian Bajan. Freedom is nature. Um, you know, there's this idea he, he coined called constructal law. And the idea is that everything in nature uh, will go towards the area of least resistance. And that is the idea of freedom. We see that in the rivers going down the, you know, to, to form new paths. You see this in how people approach life, you know, always looking for that path of re least resistance. And then we see this now in, in terms of how we react in, in response to a tyrannical government. We, we fight back. We want freedom. We do not want to be told what to do, but also this, this, you know, idea of, well, yes, you are an individual, but you are that 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 is superseded by the collective. And I think we're seeing that notion now, thankfully, being rejected in mass. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's sort of this whole pandemic was just filled with all these cliches that really didn't make sense. You know, you heard the listen, listen to the science. Um, and then you have, you know, guys that, you know, Joe Rogan has, has scientists, Dr. Peter McCullough, one of the most cited, you know, uh, physicians on the planet, Dr. Robert Malone, they say, well, well, not those scientists, we can't listen to them. And the truth is like different scientists, um, science doesn't always agree. And, and, and those are the things that we need to, uh, th this has been the ugliest stage of the pandemic for me, when like, we're just going to tell people like, this is the information. If they're sharing information that runs counter 
to our information, we don't think they should be able to talk. And we don't think we don't think that people should be able to interview them. And, and that is is, you know, like the whole pandemic has been bad. But th this you know idea that we need to just shut down and shut up people who uh, are coming, you know, that are saying things that we disagree with is is, you know, even more dangerous than the virus. It, it, it's pretty terrifying to see people that are, uh, you know, we again, we heard listen to the science. Well, no, we want to listen to Neil Young instead, because Neil Young thinks that this vaccine message is, you know, that isn't the one he he likes. And we should be um, yeah, we, we've seen all this radical effort to, to silence people in this stifle free, you know, free speech, which is which is so important during, you know, something like this. And it, it kind of was always there. Like, it, you know, when we saw like if you said something on, on Twitter or Facebook, you know, like, oh, we're going to have to, you know, remove that article or we're going to have to put a, a label on that. Um, it, it, it's a very creepy thing to do. And, and it, it really made people nervous to talk about these things. And I think that was, you know, kind of by design. Yeah. Well, how scary is that? Right. That we were all sudden found ourselves like being afraid to talk about what was happening in our everybody's life. Right. This isn't one of those things where it was just you know, one, two, three individuals experiencing something. It was everybody across the entire planet. And and being told that you couldn't question the official narrative. I think that right there is what raised a lot of people's eyebrows. We talk about this in the sales world. We look for things called trigger events, right? So in this example, what's the trigger event? The trigger event is all of a sudden government telling people you can't question this. And, and not only if you do question this, you're a heretic. You you need to be silenced, to be shunned, and to be cast out from society. I think that right there woke a lot of people up and got a lot of people concerned, but also open to asking, maybe this doesn't make sense. Maybe we should start considering other ways of doing things. And John, maybe that goes towards the, the part I want to go towards the end of the conversation as we wrap things up here today is, where do you see this taking us? Do you see your average person being open, being empathetic now to a more liberty-based solution? Or do you fear that, unfortunately, there's still going to be a core group of people, despite everything that's happened the past two years, they'll still defer towards those quote-unquote government experts? Thoughts? Yeah, sh short term, I think there's going to be some, you know, great success because, um, it, it's really an exciting, exciting time for Liberty because people, we've had this event that has been catastrophic, but it, it really goes to show all the things we've been talking about for years and fighting for, for years. We have this event that we can kind of say, see, this is what happens. This is what happens when you, you know, rely on government and you give politicians all this unfettered power, um, catastrophe happens. So I, I think, you know, in the short term, we're going to have some great success. Long term, I, I'm a, a little bit, um, I'm a little bit nervous because uh, you have all these just just culturally in, in this society. We have all this. We're more and more reliant on, um, you know, social media. Um, we've, we've had, you know, government controlling our schools now for for generations and, and the school systems are are failing. Um, and we have a lot of young people that have been radicalized. So I think we need to, to win them back. We need to win back heart, hearts and minds and, and, you know, help people remember that 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 liberty is what creates prosperity. Um, liberty is the end like that that is what government is supposed to that's why it exists it, 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 it exists not to give us stuff or to make society uh, more safe or more fair by redistribute you know, redistribute redistribution of wealth it exists to protect liberty um, and, and so like I think it's more important than ever that we we reach um, everyone with that message but uh, 
particularly, you know, the younger people who have been kind of radicalized both in, in, in K through 12 schools. We know some of the ideas that are there and also in universities, which have been kind of, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, just a lot of Marxism today in, in universities that it, a lot of, you know, critical theory that young people encounter and it's dangerous and we got to show them that there's a better way. Not only do we have to show them there's a better way, I think our future kind of depends on it, John. And thankfully, we have folks like you and then, of course, like Brad and Hannah over at the amazing organization that is the Foundation for Economic Education Fee. Folks, I cannot encourage you enough. Please go ahead and support this amazing organization of folks because they're going out and not only are they taking sometimes these very tough to understand economic ideas, but they're making it easy for your average person to actually understand. And what do we talk about here when we're talking about selling solutions? You have to make it simple simple for your prospects to understand so they can see it really impact them in their own lives. Make it so it it not only feels real, but also that you can show them how it will impact them in terms of changing the way they've been doing things. That's what Fee has been doing, telling the stories of people who are looking at doing things differently or telling the stories of, unfortunately, the, the people who've been doing things the same old, same old way and the negative consequences from those actions. So that being said, John, let's go ahead and make sure we're pointing people the right way. We want them to be able to continue the conversation with you, but also to be able to go ahead and find more about Fee. So where can they go ahead and uh, find you and also go ahead and find Fee? Yeah, you know, Fee.org is where all our content is hosted. Uh, you can learn why anything peaceful is, is the best way to, you know, to approach life. I'm, find me on Twitter, at Miltimore 79 I'm on there probably more than I should be, but it, it's kind of where the conversation happens. Um, so, so yeah, thanks a lot for having me on, Brian. If you get up to the Twin Cities, hit me up. That's where I am, and I'll buy you lunch. Awesome. Well, I'll take you up on that. And how about this, folks? We'll uh, we'll make it easy for you folks, too, who are enjoying the conversation today. You want to continue the conversation with John, and you want him to buy you a sandwich as well. We'll do this. Go ahead to hit the the artwork there in your show notes. It'll bring you right to briannicholshow.com, where you can find today's episode, all of John's social media links, including the uh, entire episode uh, transcript from today, as well as all 450 plus episodes there of The Brian Nichols Show over at briannicholshow.com. But that being said, John Miltimore from Fee, thanks for joining the program. Hey, great to meet you, Brian. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at bnicholsliberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.